by our time and our treasure and our talents. And probably most of you know that those th that kind of lingo. But what we were able to do even last Saturday with the 1010 Street team to be able to give out bottled water, to be able to share the gospel with individuals and to invite them to Redemption 1010, you know, ultimately it's for the kingdom of God, period. Uh, but what's also neat is that not only can we serve locally or we can serve nationally, but we can also serve internationally. Colleen Davis is a former student of mine uh, over at Hope Community Church when Tina and I were, were youth, youth pastors there. And uh, Colleen was able to go on uh, a trip this past year. She decided, instead of going right from high school to college, to take a gap year. And she served uh, with an organization called World Race. And uh, today I asked her, would you be willing to come and just share uh, what God did in your life, how all your experiences and different things like that, uh, and how that all played out for you? How did God shake your life? How did God mold and maybe change some of the way you thought uh, some of the people you encountered, and she's going to be doing that today. So I'm going to ask Colleen to come up, and why don't we just give her a big 10-10 welcome. That'd be great. And, and let me get you this, Colleen. You need to stand, correct? All right, I kind of figured you did. Perfect. Uh, Co Colleen was kind enough to come over to Tina and I's house uh, during the week this week and just share a lot of the things that uh, God had done and, and her trip and and so you're in for a treat. And so this may not be a typical Sunday afternoon, but you know what? God uses these things. You realize that? Like the, the reason I asked her to come was to motivate you to get excited about serving God in maybe different ways. So I'm going to pray for you, Colleen, and then the time is yours, okay? Jesus, we thank you for today. We, my prayer is that, that we would have a heart that says, just like that song, you're all I want. I don't want anything else but you, Jesus. And so, Lord, we're just asking today that as we hear from Colleen, Lord God, that uh, you speak through her, that it is not her who is putting on a production or a show, but, God, that we would clearly see the work that you did in her life and the work that you did through her life. May we be challenged. May we be encouraged to take steps of faith, whether they're uh, huge, whether they're just small, or whether just in ways, God, that please you. And so we're grateful for this afternoon. I pray that our hearts and minds are open to what you have for us to know, not only as individuals, but as your church, your local church, for your kingdom, for your name and renown. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks. So, yeah, as Jeff said, my name is Colleen. Um, he was my youth pastor back at Hope. Tina was my mentor for many, many years, um, really pushed me so much closer to the Lord. Um, so thankful for that. Um, so I'm 19, and I went to Upper Moreland High School, which is not like down the road, but in the general vicinity. Um, and so I decided to take a gap year after graduating. Um, I just felt like the Lord was kind of calling me to it. I knew I wanted to do long-term missions. Um, so I wanted to see what it was like to live as a long-term missionary. Um, so yeah, I went with Adventures and Missions, and we traveled our first slide. Um, so we, I went with 50 other people. Um, you can tell the ratio of guys to girls is very drastic, <laughs> um, but that's the mission field for you. So there were about 50 people, um, and out of those 50 people, um, we were broken into seven different teams. Um, so this was my team of gals. Um, there were six of us, and we lived life together. Um, highs, lows, all of it. You can imagine um, not being separated for nine months. 
we kind of went through it all. Um, and that was one of the biggest things that I learned was that we were living. Um, we were just living. We were still eating, still drinking, still sleeping, um, just doing normal daily things. Um, we just happened to be in another country. Um, and so the biggest thing that I really learned was just that we were simply living in love. Um, and that was something that I have really brought home with me and I want to share with you guys today. So our first country um, was Swaziland, and we were there for three months. Um, and you can tell right there, it's not in South Africa, but it's like three-fourths engulfed by South Africa. So like very close to the equator, very roasty-toasty down there. And um, we were working at Care Points. Um, so this was our Care Point Nagunya, and each team worked at a different care point. And basically what these care points were, where kids could come um, after school, and the younger ones who didn't go to school at all, they would just be there all day. And it was just a safe place for them to come hang out. Um, we got to do Bible lessons with them, got to build relationships with them. Um, it was one of my favorite times when just the younger kids were there in the morning. Um, so they were anywhere from like two to about four or five. And one of their favorite activities was sleeping. Um, they, we were already living in like the bush, like when you think of Africa, like the bush of Africa, like that's where we were type of thing. Um, and then our, this care point was about 45 minutes outside of that. So it was even more remote. So these kids were, didn't do much other than like play outside or help their parents with chores. They were in the sun a lot, so they were always exhausted. So they always fell asleep on us. And sometimes um, we would fall asleep as well. Um, you know, if they're asleep on us, I'm like, oh, might as well take a nap. So I was guilty of that multiple times. <laughs> um, and this little boy here on my lap, um, his name is Piwa. And he was just the most precious little thing. I, you can go to the next slide. Um, he just had the cutest little smile. Precious, precious boy. Um, and there were so many days that I would wake up within our first month. We were kind of like, okay, you know, we were like, yay, Africa. And then we were like, whoa, what did we get ourselves into? You know, like there's one grocery store and one restaurant within a, I don't even know what mile radius. Um, not much around. And, um, yeah, but we were just, like, kind of living this very, very simple life, um, which ended up being a big blessing. Didn't realize it at the time. <laughs> um, but, yeah, there were just days that I would literally wake up and be like, I just want to see Piwa smile today. He was just such a precious little boy. He was always filled with just, he was always so happy. And you hear about, and then there were definitely, I mean, not to mistake you, there were definitely children that also did not like us. Um, so they didn't all love us. Uh, I'll be honest about that. But, yeah, there were days where I'd wake up, and I specifically remember there was one day I woke up and told my team, um, we were praying before we left, and I was like, guys, I just want to see Piwa smile today. Like, I was really missing my dad and just was really, really, what did I get myself into? This is only, like, month one. We have eight more months of this. Um, and so I was like, I just want to see Piwa smile today. And we get to the care point, and he was typically there because he was a younger kid. He didn't go to school. And we show up, and he wasn't there. And I was like, Jesus, I asked for one thing today. And... Um, but about half an hour later, he comes up. They all would bring a Tupperware um, because they would, that's what they would put their rice nutrition meal in. And so he comes up with his Tupperware and dragging a little stick because they all contributed one stick to make the fire for their lunch. And he comes walking up, and I was just, like, ecstatic. I was like, thank you, God. Like, you are real. Um, it was just all in the little things. Um, and one, something else just, like, with 
living in Swaziland, being in this very remote place, um, was the sunsets there were gorgeous. Um, you know, this is just one picture. We were at a farm for two weeks, um, and we were on top of this beautiful water, not the water tower wasn't beautiful, but the sunset was beautiful that we saw from the water tower. And um, it was just so cool to get to enjoy the Lord's creation every single night. Um, the sun set at about like 4.30, 5.30. We had no electricity, so we were in bed by 7.30. So we would get like 12 hours of sleep one night. I still don't know how we managed to nap during the day, but we did. Um, yeah, so it was just super duper amazing um, just living in this slow culture um, full of rest and renewal that was so different from America, so different from what we had come from. Um, and so because it was kind of a slower culture, most of our day, you know, we would get up, um, we had set Bible time, um, and we would go to ministry, and we would have, like, t anywhere, depending when the buses picked us up, like, two to three hours in between when we got back from ministry and dinner time. But the public transportation there is super, not sketchy like it's unsafe, but just um, there's not really scheduled times of anything. So you don't know if you're waiting two minutes for a bus or like two hours, which did happen. Um, so we weren't allowed out after we got back from hanging out with these kids. So we would just stay at the base. And if I'm being honest, that we, so we had so much free time. So we're like, what do we do? And honestly, at first, like we, we started reading our Bibles because we were like, at first, we were just like, well, there's nothing better to do, which sounds super awful, but, like, genuinely, that was the initial <laughs> intention. Um, but the Lord so used that bad intention to grow me closer to him, like he always does. Um, and it was just so cool to see how each time, like, when we spend time in the Word, I, for so long, I'm sure Jeff and Tina told me this for years and years, like, just to read the Bible every day. And it's something that we're told in church, like, time and time again, but you, like, don't actually understand the value of it until you do. Um, until you do it. And so, yeah, just I began to realize that as I was reading the Bible more and more, there were just so many, like, Jesus's, like, my desires were starting to, like, line up with Jesus's desires. And that wasn't because of anything that, like, it wasn't me. Like, it was all the word, and it was all Jesus. And, like, um, just the ways that he interacted with people, the times that um, he would just walk, like he'd be walking in front of the synagogue and um, someone would be healed. Or even like we all know the story of the woman at the well, how he just sat and talked to her. Like he just loved people, just living, just living life. He loved people. Um, and so, yeah, again, his desires began to become mine and you know, um, praying for people on the bus, praying for people at the bus station, walking up to someone in the grocery store, ask them how they were doing. Because a lot of people spoke English there, which was slightly surprising. Um, but yeah, it was just a thing of walking through daily life with Jesus, um, walking through daily life and looking for opportunities um, just to praise him and glorify him. Um, so it was super easy because we had a lot of time. Um, and so, you know, read the Bible. It was great. Um, and it turned into, so, um, like, when we look at the greatest commandments, um, in Matthew 22, I didn't mark my pages, so, all right, here we go, um, like, in Matthew 22, um, 30, so the Pharisees were just like, oh, what's the, in, uh, we can start in verse 34, it says, but when the Pharisees heard that he had, um, silenced the Sadducees with his reply, they met together to question him again. One of them, an expert in religious law, tried to trap him with this question. Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? And Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. 
This is the first and greatest commandment. A second and equally important, love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets were based on these two commandments. Um, And so just looking off of that, every single commandment, when you think about it, don't murder, honor your mother and father, don't commit adultery, all those like really do stem off of love God and love people. Um, And that just became again, with, like, reading the word every day just became a recentering of, like, this is what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to be loving God and loving people, and everything fell on, felt for the best after that. Um, and so, again, it was really easy in this culture where it was very slow. Like, you could be two hours late to a meeting and no one would say anything. Um, genuinely, it happened. Um, but a lot of that changed when we went to Nepal, Um, So we were in Nepal for one month. So we were going from Swaziland, three months, Nepal, now one month. It was like, whoa. You know, we formed some really deep relationships um, in Swaziland over this three-month period with the leaders, with the kids. And now it was like, oh, now we're going, and we have to love really, really deep in one month. And then we found out that we were actually going to be moving every single week. And it was like, whoa, how do we love that deeply in one week? You know, and so we were in, um, there's little stars there, but Kathmandu, we were there for a week. We were in Chitwan, which was a really remote village for a week. And then we were trekking um, near Pokhara in the Himalayas for a week. Um, And so when we were in Kathmandu, um, we were there for one week and we did a bunch of different ministry. We worked in an elderly home um, for women who had been like pulled off of the streets. We worked at an orphanage. We um, interceded at a lot of Hindu and Buddhist temples, um, which was crazy and cool. Um, Really hard, like a lot of spiritual warfare, but it was just walking into that place, like knowing that we have the spirit inside of us and that like the darkness that is there was trembling when we were speaking Jesus's name. Um, it was, oh, it, like, gives me chills. Um, we got to go to, like, some rehab centers, like, some drug rehab centers, a rehab center for girls who had been pulled out of sex trafficking. We got, actually got to go to a leprosy colony, which is exactly like it says in the Bible, like, totally separated from everything they're cast out, um, but just got to minister to people, which was so cool. Um, yeah, there's a lot of spiritual warfare. A lot of people got sick that week. I was living with about 21 people from my squad, and 19 out of the 21 got sick. Like, six were admitted to the hospital. It was just like, wow, like, what is going on? Like, thank the Lord, literally. I believe it was my mother's prayers and essential oils that I did not get sick somehow. Um, I genuinely could not tell you. But, yeah, so even in the midst of this, though, like, in this crazy city, like, the Lord was there. Um, sometimes it was really hard to see. Um, because I was so pulling from my own restraints. Like when I was trying, I was like, yeah, I really want to like love and serve my sick teammates. And, you know, and so I was just like constantly like trying to do it on my own. And that's when Jesus so quickly steps in and reminds us, you are dependent on me. Um, And so, yeah, that was a lot of learning, just a place of like living from a place of overflow to be so saturated in the Father's love that then all we can do is give it out because that's what our entire being is made of. Um, so again, we were just living life. We would take public transportation to all these different ministries every day. Um, and this was a woman, I genuinely do not remember her name, um, but I sat next to her for about an hour. That was all I knew this woman. Um, she was sitting by herself when we got on the bus, and I decided to take a seat next, that was my English, 
take a seat next to her, and um, she happened to speak English, yay Jesus, and anyway, we start talking, um, and I d didn't mention, but Nepal is actually a closed country, so you're not allowed to openly evangelize there, um, so we tried to work our way around that a lot, such as I was asking her, like, oh, what do you believe in, in hopes that, like, she would ask me what I believed in, and it worked, um, so got to actually, like, share about Jesus with her, which was so cool, like, sitting on the public transportation, again, just living life, um, but just looking for opportunities to love people. Um, and so, yeah, that was that week. She didn't end up, like, coming to know the Lord. She did say that she knew Jesus, but he was, like, one of her gods type of thing. But she was like, I'll be your Nepali mother, because I told her that I was away from mine for a while. Um, so it was, I don't know, just neat re relationship. And I never saw her again, but, like, I do believe that, you know, the wor Lord's words don't go out void, and he will use that, and seeds were planted. Um, yeah, so the next week, um, we were in Chitwan, which, very remote, very, very, very remote, um, and people were kind of still sick, still kind of moving out of that, um, it was easier on me because we were more in rural area, which it's not like I grew up in, like, rural area, but I think for me, being in a really chaotic city was really hard to find the Lord in his stillness and in his rest, um, because I got so distracted by everything else around me, um, but yeah, so we were basically playing with kids. Um, the village that we were living in was actually a brick-making community, so they made bricks all day, and a lot of the kids didn't go to school, so we hung out with them, played with them. Um, we were there for Christmas. Um, we were just sleeping on the floor of a church, and we got the coolest part of that was we got to go and encourage churches. Um, because it was more of a remote area, like the law of like no evangelizing was a lot more like, not enforced type of thing. So we actually got to like go to two sets of parents who their kids were Christians. Um, we got to go to their house and like tell them about Jesus and evangelize to them. Um, again, they didn't come to know the Lord, but seeds were planted. Um, and so the next week we were trekking. Um, again, living, still eating. Um, well, we didn't eat too much in Nepal. The food wasn't that good, but we were still like sleeping, walking, you know, doing the daily things, but we were now walking like 10 miles a day. Um, one of my favorite nights on the race um, on, happened while we were trekking, um, and it was, we, so along the way, we were trekking, there were like host homes we stayed in type of thing, and so the woman on the right, she was Buddhist, and then the man, and that was her home that we were living in, and that, this was about the size of her home, like there was a small fire on the ground to the right of it, and that was it. It was very small, she had like a crickety upstairs where a few beds were, um, and that was, it was, that was it. And the man in the white um, coat, he was a guide for someone else that was staying with her. Um, so he treks a lot, very in shape type of thing. Um, and so we actually got the opportunity to sit down after dinner with them and explain the gospel. Um, you know, just explain how we are so broken, we live in a broken world, we have sinned, so now we can't be with God, we're separated. Um, and just how we so often try to grasp onto things that we think are going to pull us out of this world. We try to grasp on whether it's drugs or alcohol or even just like being a good person or we think going to church will fix us. But the thing is, is it's more like a bungee cord where it pulls us out and then reins us right back into this broken world. Um, and so 
we got to share that with them and just that Jesus did not want to leave us there and hasn't left us there because he came and died on the cross. He lived a perfect life that we couldn't live. Um, and not only did he die in our place, but then he like rose. So he overcame everything that we could ever fear or worry about. Um, anything that we've ever done, he has victory over. And now we get to like live with the spirit. So we got to explain that to them. And the woman did not end up coming to the Lord, but the man did. And it was, yeah, and that was actually, so this was month four of our trip. And that was the first person that I had seen come to know the Lord. Um, so just, I don't know, just know that it's not like every time on the mission field, it's like, yeah, everyone always comes to, like, that's not, it's just life. Like, you know, um, seeds are planted and they're harvested when the Lord grows them. Um, yeah, so that was super awesome, and we just got to, like, love on this woman and this man by simply sharing truth with them. Um, it was just all about loving on people. Um, so towards the end of Nepal, so Nepal, it was a great month. It was also the hardest month for me. Um, again, just city, hard, many different things, lock in leadership, sickness, spiritual warfare, and so I was very scared to go to India because we were going to India for two months and I was like okay it's going to be the same culture I'm probably not going to eat for two months because I hate spicy food like I just can't do it like there's just going to be a lot of spiritual warfare no one's going to speak English we're going to be like we're not going to be able to speak out about Jesus again and I was just so fearful and I specifically remember there was one night I was sitting on a rooftop in Nepal and I was just like sitting in this fear and I was like Jesus like I know I'm not supposed to like cast all my anxieties on you but like I'm still scared and I still don't want to do this. Um, and, you know, homesickness is starting to, like, just creep in at this point. And it was hard until um, one of my friends, um, it was the, you know, verse that we've all heard, but it's First John 4, 18. And it says, cast, um, or sorry, perfect love casts out all fear. We've heard that verse. But, like, it wasn't that moment until I was like, wait a second. I have the spirit within me. I am living in love. I'm living in God's perfect love. So therefore, I have no fear because when he over, like when he was resurrected, like he had victory over all of my fear. Like I have no fears, no worries. And it was in that moment that it was like, wow, okay, like I can, I can do this with Jesus. I can do this. Um, and so anyway, we end up getting to India, which I'm going to talk about more in a second, but I loved it. I want to go back to India. I'm hoping to move back there after school. Um, and teach there at least for a few years, and to see how the Lord, just like when I got to India, and just where we were, and what we were surrounded by, he was like, why were you ever worried? You know, he always brings that to us, and just like, why did you fear? And I just realized that the certainty that you have, so after this situation, I was like, yes, the Lord's so faithful, and he's so good, and he has power over fear. He has victory over, like, there's nothing that I should ever fear or worry about. Now let me walk into every single situation with that same certainty. Like, even thinking about, I'm going to the school in the fall, and like, very nervous about that. I haven't been in the school setting for a while, but like, let me walk into it with the same certainty that like, the Lord is still faithful, and he still casts out all of my fear. Um, yeah, like, let me just walk into every situation with that certainty, that he is that faithful and that good. Um, yeah, so when we were in India, we were actually in northeast India, which I don't know if you can see the star, but it's kind of up nor more near uh, Myanmar. And so we were closer to China than we were, like, New Delhi, mainland India. Um, so very, so everything you're thinking about India, kind of cast that out of your brain, because that's not it at all. Um, we were living um, in tribal land, 
Um, and so we actually got to, we went to, got to go to a wedding, again, just living life, fun things. And um, so we all got like uh, traditional tribal skirts and it was super awesome. The people there actually looked more um, Chinese than Indian. Um, these were two of um, my really good friends, James and Vala. Um, yeah, so ministry there was a little similar to Nepal in that it was kind of inconsistent of what we were doing. It was kind of something different a lot of the time. Um, so it was a little bit harder to form relationships. Um, we did manual labor because they were building a church, and there was also a seminary. So basically, because it's tribal land, the government protects that land in a similar way of like the Native Americans' land are protected here. So the tribal land is protected, so people can't come in buy their land they can't come and like enforce their religion on the on um those people at all so it's so neat that like the same government that actually persecutes so many christians in southern india is actually protecting this pocket and this tribe that's like a hundred percent evangelized to in northeast india um yeah and they have a crazy story they were like a big headhunting tribe super violent and then a welsh missionary came for like three days didn't know that anyone became a christian shared the gospel didn't know anyone became a christian left and then like the whole tribe ended up like coming to know the lord um there's actually like a little movie about it it's called beyond the next mountain um it's not a very well done movie but it explains the story um anywho so yeah we got to do like manual labor um we worked in some schools um, the kids didn't speak that much English. It was a lot of crying, kind of childcare type of thing. Got punched a couple times, but it was fun. Um, and then we went and worked at, um, they had like a Christian hospital there, which was super cool. Um, we made cotton pads, which not like in cotton was kind of hard, but we would like make cotton pads or like cotton balls type of thing to help them. And then one of my um, favorite ministries was One Day VBS that we would do every single Saturday at a different church. And it was not like obviously not VBS, like American VBS type of thing, but it was super fun. One of, it was so neat to see the Lord totally bring together our team. My team was like already, I felt like very, very united in the spirit, like throughout this whole time, which was such an answer to prayer, such a blessing. Um, I don't, I think there was like one time that someone raised a voice at someone else, like that was it. And living with six girls, that was a little surprising. Um, but yeah, so we just got to go, and it was so neat because, like, one of my teammates, Liz, had done children's worship at her church. She was, like, a mega church, and um, someone else had had some skits from a camp that they had worked at, and it was just so neat to see the Lord, like, pull together all these different gifts that we had, that he had given us um, to work together and bring this one, or one day VBS to a bunch of these different churches. So, yeah, that was super fun. Love kids. Um, we also got to go and, like, encourage different churches every Sunday, which was neat. Um, but my favorite moments in India, and the reason that I want to move that back there, um, was genuinely because of moments that happened outside of ministry, set ministry hours. Um, they, it was just building relationships, and, like, India, for some reason, felt so much like home, and I think it was because of the relationships there that, yeah, they just felt like home, like, we would just go and hang out with them after we were done, like, you know, moving bricks or sandbags or whatever. Um, it just became like, so yeah, just really awesome friendships. Um, so there was one little girl, her name was Hazel and she was five and she was actually our neighbor. So when Jesus talks about like loving your neighbor, that was good. Um, cause she was quite literally our neighbor. Um, and so she was super sweet. Um, she was actually 
her house was, so we were living in dorms, and her dad, I believe, was a professor at the seminary. Again, crazy India seminary. Love Jesus for that. Um, But so her house was, like, on our walk to the tent where we um, ate all of our meals. And it was so neat. Um, Just, again, we were just living life, happened to walk past her one day. Um, and she had asked, like, if we could come play with her, and on the way back, we were like, yeah, sure, so we ended up, like, watercoloring with her, and, um, later on, we ended up, like, playing dress up with her, and her sister and her friends, which was so fun, um, and again, just building relationships, loving on people, um, meeting people along the way, um, and another, um, go ahead, um, this is Vala and AB, they're two of my really good friends, um, and, they were leaders for like their young adults group in um, their church and it was super awesome to get to know them. We got to go just on like, again, it was just like adventures. Like here, like we went to um, a lake and we, this was like a tree house park type of thing that we got to go to. Um, and we got to go with some of these girls. We actually like attended a funeral, um, which was sad, but also like again, living life, like things happen on the field, you know, and um, we got to go to um, their church every Sunday and got to go to a wedding, and again, just relationships, loving these people. Um, We were just doing all of the normal things, um, just loving on people, like Jesus has told us to. Um, So our last country was Guatemala, um, and we were there for three months, um, and we were in we were closer to Antigua, if you know where that is. Um, we were in a town called Paramos, um, which is about an hour outside of Antigua. And um, Antigua is like a really big tourist district area. Um, so our ministry was basically village ministry there, which was so much fun. This was my favorite ministry that we did the entire nine months um, because it was just making relationships with people and loving on people. Um, and so on Tuesdays, we would do a cooking class. Um, every Tuesday, we would go to a different family's house, and basically the um, woman would like teach us how to cook a Guatemalan meal, aka she would cook it, and then we would eat it after, Um, but, you know, we tried, Um, and so it was super neat. Um, At the end of that, there was, so, sorry, I forgot to explain, this village that we were um, working in had only about 50 families, so it was super small, and a lot of the families were either related or, like, yeah, had a lot of, like, marriages kind of going on, and there were not necessarily bad blood, but there was just a lot of disunity, especially among the women. when we first got there, like, they, like, told us outright that they did not like some of the women, and just a bunch of different things, a lot of disunity, and so we, like, really prayed into unity over them for, like, the three months, Um, and it was so cool because the very last Saturday we were there, all of the women, so I think it was about 12 different women, um, actually got to come to where we were living at a base, um, and they all came into the kitchen, we taught them how to make chicken parm, we were, like, trying to think of something American, and we were like, what's even American? Like, I don't know what's American. Like, we'll just do chicken parm. <laughs> Anywho, so we, but it was so neat to, like, all have them together, and, like, they, were, there was no ill word said. Like, they were laughing, getting along. Like, it was so neat to see the Lord's faithfulness, and that just really bring unity, like, among these women. Um, yeah, that was one of my favorite things, those cooking classes. Uh, we also taught in two schools. Um, this has... So ever since eighth grade, I went on my first mission trip outside of 
the States, and I knew I wanted to do overseas missions. And I had taken Spanish in high school, so I was like, oh, I'll go to Spanish-speaking country, and I really like kids. So I was like, oh, I'll go to Spanish-speaking country and teach. Um, I don't, that was just my plan for life until India happened. Um, but it was so neat because even though the Lord, like, gave me this new dream when I went to India to go back there, the Lord still, like, allowed me to live out this dream of teaching in a Spanish-speaking country in Guatemala. Um, so we taught, like, four times a week, super fun. The, um, oh, wait, could you go back? Oh, I forgot that one. Oh, well, it's okay. Um, the little boy in, um, the middle there, his name was Lewis, and so my name's Colleen, and they had, like, trouble, saying my name, so I, like, shortened it to Call, but then they would always say, like, Gal, but then they couldn't really get that, so I turned it to, like, Golly, because I, some people call me Kali, and eventually, Lewis, um, one day, he was like, Golly, like, California, and so then from there on out, like, him and his little buddy, Jeffrey, would always just be like, California, California, anyway, that was my name, short tidbit, um, yeah, so that was really awesome, um, and so, we can go back, I think, to the tortilla. Yeah, that one. Okay, this sweet woman's name is Rosa. So when we got there, we did not have, like, a ministry host. It was just kind of like, hey, have fun figuring out what you're doing the next three months type of thing. Um, and so we literally just went and, like, knocked on people's doors. And we're like, hi, like, we're the Americans. Like, you want to be friends? Um, and Rosa was so sweet and actually, like, invited us in. She has a tortilla tortilla making business um, that she has to keep her son David in school who we had taught in the village school um, super super sweet woman she actually had a really bad hernia pain and like the Lord completely healed her of that while we were there it was crazy cool um, but anyway so the first day we walk in and Rosa's like oh do you guys want to learn how to make tortillas and we we're like sure they were like corn tortillas. And so she's like teaching us, um, you know, to like put them in a ball and like pound against your hand. Like we are just awful at this. Like absolutely awful. Like the dough is falling off like on the ground. Like it's just, it's a bad situation. And we're like, we're so sorry. We like bought the tortillas. But so every single day that we were in our village um, until the day we left, we would go to her house and attempt to make tortillas. Um, and we would obviously pay for them after because they were absolutely awful. Um, but I still remember the day that she actually sold one of our tortillas. Like, someone came to the door, and her daughter-in-law was picking them off of the plancha, which is, like, um, a grill type of thing that they cook them on. And she was, like, taking them off. And I was like, oh, no, 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 that one, like, that's one of ours. And she was like, yeah, it's good. And she, like, put it in the bag to sell. And we were like, oh, we made it. We did it. And um, so this is me here with one of my good tortillas, one of the better ones. I was very excited about it. Um, yeah, so... Um, this next woman, Irma, oh, I love their family. So it's Irma, Allison, and Andrew. Um, and Irma was just the sweetest. I would, we would teach in the morning for like an hour, and then I would just go hang out at her house for like two hours after school just because I loved sitting with her. Um, just hearing her life story, just, just sitting and talking. She was also super patient with my Spanish, which was really great. Um, but again, we were just like living life with these people, just going and hanging out with our friends once we were done. Um, we got to celebrate her son, Andrew. He turned five. We got to celebrate his birthday, which was super fun. Um, he's just a little nut. He's precious. Um, yeah, we just got to live this life talking to people on, again, public transportation, great way to talk to people. Um, practice some Spanish, uh, even talking to people in the grocery store. And a lot of times, 
um, in Guatemala, I realized that it was just like asking people like, oh, where are you going? How are you doing? Like just, it wasn't necessarily being like, can I pray for you? Or like, here's the gospel. It was just like loving people in a way that letting them know that like someone cared um, about them. So yeah, um, it was super cool just to form these relationships. Um, and basically, I just kind of want to sum it up um, of just like simply living in love. Um, that's what we're called to do. And so often people were like, wow, you're going on a nine-month missions trip. Like, that's so cool. I'm like, yeah. And it was. But I was also living. Like, yeah, I was living in a different country, but like I was still just living. I was still just doing life. And um, it just so goes to show that like we should be missionaries in our everyday lives. That, that the, the mindset of like, oh, I'm on the mission field should be our m- mindset every single day um, as soon as we walk out of our house. And even like going to the um, Great Commission in Matthew 28, um, starting in verse 18, Jesus, um, he said, so Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all the commands I have given you, and surely I am with you always, even to the end of the age. The biggest thing that sticks out to me, we obviously, like, kind of went over this during training, because it was like, yeah, you're missionaries, great commission, yeah. Um, But the thing is, is that, like, this is for all of us, because it says go. Like, just go and make disciples. Go doesn't necessarily mean getting on a plane and going halfway across the world. Go literally might mean stepping out of your door and talking to the kids sitting on the street or going and talking to your um, neighbor or talking to someone in the grocery store. Um, Because it says, like, go and make disciples of all nations. And we so, I believe that we so often forget, and I have even forgotten, that America is a nation. So we are still to go into America. That is a nation that still so needs the Lord. We still so need the Lord. Um, Yeah, so just when we go and make disciples, just to be active in what we're, in looking for people to love. And and whether that could be, again, just asking them how they're doing or asking if they need prayer or sharing the gospel. Like in any of those ways, like we love people um, and we are just told to go. And so often I am so guilty of living in this American culture that just like I'm getting from point A to point B. I'm going from my house to the store and then I'm going from my, the store to my house and I'm not talking to anyone in between. Um, but when we actually like, take a step back and just a lot, like give, honestly like give that journey to the Lord and we were taking public transportation but even you know walking through the aisles of a store or being at work, um, whatever it looks like, look for who Jesus wants you to talk to, like, in that in-between, because there are always people, you know, praying over someone, it's certainly not going to hurt them, Um, you know, it's, if anything, like, maybe it's a little awkward, but, like, Jesus works miracles, um, just as we were seeing this morning, so whether it's, like, at school, at work, in your house, in the neighborhood, wherever it is, um, just, like, live life with God, live in love, um, because, like, when we are so saturated in his love, like, all we can do is overflow, like, into loving other people. Well, thank you. Appreciate it. So I'm going to have the worship team come back up. And uh, as Colleen goes to sit down, one of the things that I was challenged with is goes to Isaiah chapter 6 and where Isaiah encountered God. And God asked the question, who's going to go for us? Who's going to send this message of hope to the people? And Isaiah said... Here I am, send me. And so, yeah, again, I agree with Colleen. Don't, don't get too wrapped up in, like, where you have to be. 
just be who you are where you're at. Does that make sense? Because if, if you're willing and I'm willing just to say, I'll go, then we just look around us. And look how God is faithful, not only to Colleen, but to you and I. Think about that for a minute. Like in India, the one place that's persecuting Christians, then they have one little section that they're uh, not they're persecuting the Christians all around India, and then they're protecting Christians in just a small part of that country. We live it. We live in a culture of hype. We live in a culture. I wish it was done like yesterday. And yet, if you take anything away today, one, I hope you take away that I'm willing to go in my circle of influence. And the second is, is that, listen, sometimes you have to rest. Sometimes you have to just be in God's presence. Because too often we get so caught up on wanting to do for God that we miss God himself. And so wherever you are with that today, God is asking you, who's going to go? Jesus himself said, follow me. I'll make you fishers of, of humankind. The Great Commission didn't say go and make converts, go and fill out a card. It said go and make disciples. That's it. A disciple was someone who looked like their teacher. And so my hope and prayer is that's you this afternoon. So if you need to speak with someone, myself, you can talk more to Colleen about what God did in her life there. But don't, don't let this be a moment where you go, well, man, that was amazing. Somebody went all around the world. But be in your world and be who God called you to be. Jesus, we're just going to give the next few moments to you. Father, we know that at your name, you silence fear. The darkness trembles at your name. That your perfect love will cast out every anxiety that we have. Father, in your name, we commit our lives to you this afternoon. Now, for some of us, that may mean taking a step to follow you for the first time. And that may mean just to reorganize our priorities so that we incorporate rest into our lives. To incorporate Sabbath into our daily moments. And Father, may we always believe that you're at work. And that you will invite us to do what you want to do. Whether it's around the world here in Norristown, in Willow Grove, in the surrounding areas, wherever that may be. That we would be the people that you've called us to be. To live out the Missio Day, the mission of God. And so we give this to you, Jesus, in the next few moments. Amen. surrounding me let it break at your name still call the sea to still the rage in me to still every wave at your name Jesus Jesus you make the darkness tremble Jesus, Jesus.
Jesus, 
Jesus, Jesus.